0: Welcome to New Zealand Vegan Podcast, Episode One Hundred and One. I'm your host Elizabeth Collins. I think this is Episode One Hundred and One. Hmm. Anyway, um, tonight, uh, firstly, I'd like to thank my special guest from my last episode, Renata Peters from the Alice Springs Vegan Society, and my partner in um, the Oz Vegan, NZ Vegan Facebook page. Uh, so thank you so much, Ren for coming on the show. I hope everybody enjoyed listening to it as much as I enjoyed doing it. It was such a wonderful um, thing to hear these uh, inspirational ideas and insights from Ren who's been doing lots of vegan advocacy. Tonight I would like to do something that I haven't actually, I don't know if I've done it before specifically in one episode, but I've been really meaning to do it because ever since we started our Facebook group, even though these are the kinds of things that we've been facing over and over again and we have addressed them, and when I say we, I'm I'm not collectively speaking for all abolitionist vegan advocates um, in the world, although I kind of am trying to sort of speak for abolitionist vegan advocacy, but if any Advocates out there, you know, hear anything in this episode where they might disagree or they have something to add or you know some more insight to give? You know, please feel free to comment on the episode or to email me, and um, you know, add your voice to this. Um, But I'm going to say we, um, and uh, most of it comes. It's it's over the last couple of years that it's happened, and I've I have addressed them. Like I, I did an episode on. We've so many abolitionists have have, have encountered these same um, misconceptions, just misconceptions. You know, um, I'm not quite sure where they come from, but anyway, I'll get into that. Uh, so, uh, for example, I did an episode on um, helping. You know, how I deal with the "you're not wanting to help the animals now" accusation. Um, I did a specific episode about that. That's something that we often get faced with. I mean, we'll be, comment, we'll be we'll be, saying to people, you know, please promote veganism, and they'll come back and say, well, we don't want to, you know, we're, uh, um, I don't think that we should be um, just abandoning the animals who are suffering now, or we should just be turning our backs on them. And it's like, wow, are you really saying that that's what we we're suggesting? I mean, that's just astonishing. But um, apparently that is what people are saying. And I think it comes from, because they haven't actually done any reading? I mean, they've just not read anything sort of much, or even p- taken part in a lot of discussion about what abolitionist vegan advocacy is and why welfare reform is no good. So they they they're just convinced that welfare. They they actually literally think that we are saying we don't care about the animals. Now we don't want to make their lives easier. We don't want to make their lives better. Uh, we um we just can't be bothered doing that, we want to do vegan advocacy only, but the reason we want to do that is because we don't want to spend any time actually making the the lives better for the animals who are currently being, you know, in the in the farms and in and, and, and the slaughterhouses, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. They couldn't be further from the truth, and obviously that is not <laughs> what somebody who's thinks that animals are moral persons, should be saying, and it's not, it isn't what we're saying, um, what we're literally saying is, it doesn't help animals who are suffering now, and I and I talked about that when I first went vegan, and I heard, actually, Renata Peters say it on the Earthlings forum, she said, animal welfare hurts animals, and I read that line, and I'll never forget it, and I just was, I just, it was just a straight, it was like saying water, reading something that says, water is dry, or, you know, up is down, or I mean, it didn't make any sense to me at all either. The, the actual statement, welfare, you think welfare. It wasn't until I followed the link, she said, read this, you know, check this out. And I learned about the property status, and I learned, and over the last couple of years, I've seen it over and over and over again. I mean, there was the huge scandal with, I mean, it's just it's not because we don't want to help the animals. Now, anyway, I'm doing a whole po- a podcast episode on something that I've already done. Okay, so that's one example of the kinds of things that we face when we talk, try to talk to people about vegan advocacy. And I feel like I, I, there needs to be a resource. Like, I, I want somebody, maybe Ren will do it with me, to provide a resource. Gary Francione does it all the time. We all do it, but it's not it's what i'm what i'm going to try to do in this episode is, is, a, is a baseline for something and i mean i don't know if it's going to do any good because people don't listen to our podcast people don't read the books they don't you know they don't read the discussions they don't get involved with the discussions they just read animal welfare hurts animals or don't promote welfare promote veganism and they translate that into just abandon the animals who are suffering now, and um, just turn your backs on them, and and grind them under your heel as you stride forward in your, you know, vegan advocacy, and it's like, oh, it's just like so sad, because it's so far from the truth, Um, animal welfare doesn't help animals now, okay, I've said it, I've said it, anyway, so today, what I want to do is address certain things, and most of it's come because I've, we've started this Facebook group, because we're really trying to get this grassroots movement going, I've been trying to do that in New Zealand since day one, That is like my, my goal in life, is to get this vegan movement going in New Zealand, and I knew it was going to be slow when I first came back, and I realized, oh my gosh, okay, it's, it's going to take a while, um, but that is my goal, you know, and, um, there you go, and Renata is dedicated to the same goal in Australia, and of course we wandered around the world, but we figure, you know, we, we, can, we can do it locally more effectively, and there are other people around the world doing it locally, and, you know, and then we do have the broad international influences and things that we can draw upon, um, but with regard to really getting into this nurturing, of, of trying to get local people involved, we've started this Facebook group, and, um, and we're concentrating on that, and, and I've also started a page, NZ Vegan, um, after our website, NZ Vegan, that we've got in New Zealand, with all the resources that we've got, and, um, sort of having a website, you know, and all those kinds of things, is that's what you do nowadays, when you're sort of trying to, that's what you do, I mean, um, so we're doing it but when we when we've done our group and it's been more more concentrated and we've been focusing on on those kinds of things it's just like all the other times that I've done vegan advocacy and dealt with people and these are other vegans obviously these are other vegans that we are we're dealing with mostly trying to get them to do vegan advocacy and the same things come up over and over and over but i want to address the what do we mean by abolitionist vegan advocacy? What does unequivocal vegan advocacy mean in a nutshell? And I think that I'm going to do my best to address a lot of the misconceptions in this one podcast that I've sort of been talking about over the last two years and that Gary Francione's been talking about for 20 years and that other abolitionists have been talking about since they started doing abolitionist advocacy trying to talk to people but I just want to address a lot of the ones that, that keep coming up. Um, especially like I've noticed in my, in the group that we've done, where we're trying to say to people, do vegan advocacy, and then they come back and say certain things, and I'm thinking, gosh, they've said that, somebody else said it, somebody else said it, there's this huge misconception out there about this particular thing, and then there's another big misconception, and it's all related to what do we mean when we talk about vegan advocacy, and I've been promising to do this podcast for a while on my, on our, on our NZ Vegan, on our Oz Vegan, NZ Vegan Facebook group, and I'm going to do it tonight, so for example, people come to us and say, "Well, don't you think that um promoting you know these welfare uh campaigns or these single issue campaigns or whatever this public you know thing that's going on the campaign du jour um it was live export quite heavily there for a while, maybe that's still going on in New Zealand, it was the Cray campaign when I was in New Zealand, Um, and there was other campaigns, battery egg campaigns, or there's the whaling one, all of these things, the abolitionists have been very loud and clear about our opposition to anything but vegan advocacy, and we meet these things, and this is the one, here's point one. But don't these campaigns raise the public consciousness and wake people up and and sort of get the dialogue going so that you can actually have a conversation with people about animals and then further down the line maybe you can talk to them about vegetarianism and get them off meat and then maybe further down the line. You can talk to them finally later 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 later. Then you could talk to them about veganism. But don't that you know people say don't these camp but but what you know don't you at least think that these campaigns are like raising public consciousness, and the way that the posi- the the position is, the way the the sort of the question is asked, seems to imply that they don't think that advocating for veganism will raise people's consciousness. Um and I just want to address that, point one, I have a feeling this is going to be a long podcast, but anyway, Um, when you, when you have a dialogue with somebody about the sentience of all animals, you know, the fact that they can all feel pain and suffering, the fact that they are, they have interests in continuing to live, the fact that they are persons, and that they are no different from the dogs or the cats that we love and cherish. um, That raises people's consciousness. It really does. In fact, I can't think why anyone would think that it doesn't. So having a dialogue with someone about the moral personhood of all animals and the fact that when we use them as things and when we, you know, torture them or hurt them or take their babies away or um, uh, farm them or slaughter them that that is causing them harm because they are individuals who have a right not to be used as things and they do feel the pain and they do struggle for life and they are miserable and they are being tortured and they're suffering abominably and you talk about it just in terms of non-human animals in general in other words, all animals, you don't have to limit it to any one species. People are aware that we use all different kinds of animals for all different kinds of things. They buy the products. They're very well aware of that. Um, They're also aware that other people use some animal products that they think are offensive, you know, such as eating dolphins or eating cats and dogs and things like that. And that, and that can be brought up by them and you can capitalize on that and I'll talk about that later. But it, it just... I cannot see how anyone would think that talking about these things, about non violence towards animals, about the fact that they're you know they can feel pain and suffering and <laughs> hold on, I have I have one right here, a Buddha, who's letting me know that she wants to get up on top of the dresser and she's getting a bit old and now I have to carry her up there and she's protesting, so I'm just gonna go do that. Come here, Bubby. Oh, you're not taking my chair. Here you go. Right. Um, what was I saying? Well, until I was distracted by the Buddha. The Buddha's looking very offended, but she's okay. Um, so, w- So, please be aware and please... Make sure to tell people when they say, "But don 't these welfare campaigns and these single issue p- campaigns raise people 's consciousness I mean what they 're saying is like we 're helping you. you know these campaigns are helping you, you vegan advocates, and I would argue they are most certainly not um, for all the reasons that i 've talked about, about about before, but i 'm not going to do that this podcast episode, this podcast episode i 'm going to address the things that people think that vegan advocacy doesn 't do um, because otherwise I'll never be able to finish. So, number one, vegan advocacy raises people's consciousness about animals. It gets them thinking. It opens their minds and hearts. It begins, it plants that, that consciousness raising that we want to do. We're not saying that we talk to someone about all this and then they come back and instantly go vegan. Although some people do. But what we're saying is that vegan advocacy most definitely raises people's consciousness and opens up that little part of the brain and gets people thinking about non-human animals. Okay, so please note that that is, vegan advocacy does do that, so check one, tick, yes, vegan advocacy does exactly that, so you don't need the welfare um, campaigns to do that, you don't need the welfare campaigns to raise consciousness, vegan advocacy raises consciousness, try it sometime, and you'll see the light going off, and you'll see the people struggling to deal with this consciousness raising that it does, okay, because it, it's, it's an undeniable way to get people thinking, about the violence and the exploitation and the torture and the suffering of animals and it's not limited to one species and it's not limited to one type of suffering but the consciousness is being raised the dialogue is pointing in that direction the heart is being touched and the mind okay so next one we, we get asked um, don't you think that um these welfare campaigns um, that when you show, when you talk to people about the, the, the way these animals are being treated, like the, you know, for example, let's say somebody's talking about a campaign about battery cages with regard to egg laying hens, and they're saying, you know, but, you know, if you talk to people about this horrible way that these animals are treated, um, you have to tell, you know, otherwise people won't know. I mean, at least these welfare campaigns are uncovering this terrible treatment of, 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 Whatever animals, whatever treatment they're talking about, at least they're lifting the lid. At least they're, you know, showing this horrible treatment. Well, firstly, nobody's saying that we shouldn't be exposing the truth about animal use, or that we sh- we don't ever talk about treatment. And I think that this one's I can easily see where the misconception comes in. People are saying they're misinterpreting our, um the call, the vegan abolitionist call for a focus on use rather than treatment as saying that we shouldn't talk about treatment at all, like we shouldn't even like address it, like when we talk to people, we don't ever sort of educate them about the truth about the way animals are, are being treated in their slaughterhouses, or you know, we know it shouldn't be exposed, or we oppose anyone seeing any truths, or any videos, or any kind of evidence, or, or things like that, Or, you know, we just, we don't talk about treatment at all. Wrong. Absolutely not. You have no choice. When you advocate for veganism, you have no choice to talk about treatment because you're talking about the use of animals and how abominable it is and what happens to them. So you talk about the treatment and people force you to whether they like it or not because they say, what about, well, what about backyard hens or whatever like this? And then we tell them. About the male hens being ground up. That's telling them what's happening. That's exposing the truth. That's showing people the ab- abominable barbaric atrocities that happen to animals but what it's not doing is saying we can make the treatment better or this treatment's worse than that treatment or focusing on that or making that the focus of the campaigns so it's a huge difference but no not at all please please note and please tell your friends we talk about treatment we talk about the suffering we talk about the the torture we talk about the pain we talk about the slaughter we talk about the practices that happen we talk about the db king we talk about the the annihilation of the male chicks, we talk about the removal of the the babies from their mothers, we talk about that, but we talk about it in the context of of all animal use being um, wrong and he's and these are the consequences of animal use these are the consequences of farming living sentient beings for production for food for for clothing for entertainment these are the consequences this horrible treatment is definitely a part of the conversation but we don't campaign for quote bitter treatment I mean the word bitter is becoming just as 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 meaningless as the word um, you know cruel so please don't get it twisted. We're not avoiding the issue of treatment. That's not what we're saying. We're saying we don't campaign about treatment. We campaign for veganism, but we let people know about all the treatment. And we spend a lot of time debunking myths about the so-called quote, better treatment of these so-called quote, humane farms. We spend a good deal of our time talking about treatment but only in the context of the fact that it's a consequence of animal use and that it's all bad and it's horrific and that even the quote better treatment quote that's being touted by animal industry is not anything but torture. So please know, yes, we do talk about treatment, we do talk about um, different kinds of practices and we educate people about that. So don't don't get it twisted, we don't campaign about treatment, we don't make the focus of the advocacy to make treatment, quote, better, big difference, big difference, but we definitely don't hide it, and we definitely address it, and we definitely talk about it, okay, we expose those truths, and I, and I've always said, I've said it many times before, that, um, I don't see any, I don't have any problem with the, um, truth of animal use being filmed and produced and put out there for people to see, photos and videos and things like that. What I have a problem with is using those photos and videos to focus on treatment as the issue rather than use and to campaign for, quote, better treatment and to point out some treatment as, quote, cruel or the worst, quote, practices. It That's all sickening to me. That does nothing to help animals. It just, it just puts the focus on treatment which is different from putting the focus on use so we do talk about treatment we just don't campaign for quote better treatment because there's no such thing as all torture and we would never use the word better to describe you know being tortured um, on a, on a padded chair or on a non-padded chair. Yeah, it's bitter, but I mean, Gary Vincent has talked about this many, many times in his podcast, but this is just one thing about vegan advocacy that people don't seem to get. I don't know what it is, but it's like, they're saying, they think that we're just obliterating, like we're shutting down the conversation about treatment when we talk to people. And that is not true. We are most definitely talking about it. And we're most definitely, if we have them handy, if somebody really doesn't believe us, we will point them to some video or we will point them to a photograph or we'll have a photograph to. show them where it's in in your face absolute documented proof of it but we're very clear that the focus is not on quote reforming that treatment so okay I hope I cleared that one up Um, um what's the next one that I've got on my little list um, I'm probably going to miss some because there seems to be so many but I'm really hoping that this will at least give an idea Okay, so we often get told um, by people, they'll say you're, you're just giving people an all or nothing, or you're wanting to, um, I had a conversation today where they said, you need to, you, you just want to flick a switch and the whole entire population of the world is going to, is going to suddenly go vegan, or we've, you know, it's the same, it's the same sort of, it's the same thing, it's just in different words, and we've been told, um, many, many times, you, you think people are going to go vegan overnight, or people aren't going to, they come to us and they say, people aren't going to go vegan overnight, you know, and I'm like, can you please tell me where we said that, because we didn't say that, uh, we didn't talk about any flicking of switches. Um, we no, I've never seen an abolitionist ever in anything I've read, and I've read a lot, and I've listened to a lot of interviews, and I've seen video interviews, and I've you know read, read a lot of blogs and articles and heard a lot of interviews and debates and things, and I've never, ever, ever heard an abolitionist say, well, if we promote veganism, everyone's going to go vegan overnight, or we're just going to flick a switch and the whole of humanity is going to turn around. Um, So, where is that coming from? I don't know, but I'm going to address it anyway. So, people say, people need to take steps. At least we're giving them baby steps. At least we're, you know, um, this sort of goes back to the raising consciousness. Well, when you talk to people, when you, like Renata said in the interview that I did with her, she said, you can't undo, or it's very rare, it's very, you know, it's it's an unrealistic expectation to uh, 100% of the time expect to undo a lifetime of conditioning in one conversation or with one video or with one word or with just the word vegan or with one street stool and you know to me in 34 years it was in a short a few months time where I became vegan out of 34 years of not being vegan so it seemed very quick so I, when I came back to New Zealand I was like I just have to show them the video earthlings and they're all going to be like oh my gosh I don't want anything to do with that and they'll never do it again and I you know I was wrong and why was that because when I talked to other abolitionists and I talked to other vegan advocates and we shared our frustrations about how you know people don't people won't change right away and we learned from that and we learned that we discuss it all the time you know we, we kind of we're sad about it but we acknowledge it it's a reality So we work with it. We are not under any illusions, okay, that people are going to go vegan overnight because we've done enough vegan advocacy to know that that's not true, okay? So we're not saying that. But what we're saying is that veganism should be the moral baseline of all animal advocacy. So you can actually campaign for veganism but acknowledge that people are not going to go vegan overnight but when you talk to those people you talk about veganism and then when they express their reluctance or they express their um, um, uh, skepticism or they express their um, fears or whatever it is that's preventing them from deciding to go vegan then and there we are acknowledge that there's going to be steps, and we work with them on those steps, and we know that some people are going to take a very long time, and it could take 20 conversations for somebody, it could take five conversations for another, it could take a 100 conversations, it could take years, or it could only take a couple, but they have to have those vegan conversations, or it's just pointless, because we, we, you know, we raise the consciousness by the talking about the veganism, we've raised their consciousness, and then that person goes away, and then they meet another, you know, in the, this is my ideal world at the moment, is like, they come and talk to me, and maybe it's the first time they've ever even heard an animal advocate talk about veganism, I mean, that's the reality, right, so they've, they're like, oh my gosh, this woman is talking to me about veganism, um, what is she talking about, I mean, I I buy humane eggs, I've got um, a friend who's got chickens in the backyard, I'm really an ethical consumer, and you know, what's going on, and I just, give them all the information that I've got, and they, they start thinking about it. And then maybe they don't actually do anything. Maybe they just sort of stay the same, but they're thinking about it. And then they meet another animal advocate who, or they see something else, or they see an article, or they see something in the paper that also talks about veganism and talks about the right thing to do for other animals. And they start to, they start to pay attention to that. And then they meet another advocate who says, well, you can go vegan one day a week. Just try going vegan one day a week, or just try going vegan for breakfast, or at least just consider the idea of going, you know, veganism is a something that you can work towards and there's all of this information here you know it's it's not just a diet there's all this information for you that you have to learn about it so here's all the information and you're going to have to do what you need to do to get there. And so people will stay, take steps and they will, some people will um, need more convincing. They'll need to hear it again and again. They'll need to go away. They'll need to see the videos. They'll need to go onto their computer at home and start looking at the at the the scandal behind the freedom foods or whatever it is. And maybe that will make them sort of wake up. And then maybe they'll meet, um, they'll see something else about veganism, about, you know, even health things or things like that. That's another thing I'm going to talk about, and I mean, it doesn't, the point is that, as the voice for animals, we have to give people the, the option right from the beginning, and work with them on it, I, I every day at my street, store people, like, I can't go vegan, I'm not going to go vegan, or, you know, I do this instead of going vegan, and I, ne- and I always work with them on it, but I never, ever, ever lie, I never say to them that it's it's okay to use your backyard hands. I tell them the truth. There's violence involved. That's the truth. And then it's up to them what they do with it. But um, baby steps is baby steps towards veganism. And if you think that baby steps, uh, you know, telling people to sign a petition against seal clubbing in Alaska or Canada is a baby step towards veganism, oh, I'm sorry, but I really think that you're not. It's a baby step sideways and backwards. We want the steps to be towards veganism, and the way to do that is to advocate for it consistently, clearly, patiently, realistically, but advocate for it. So we know that there are steps involved. We work with people on it. We don't tell someone, oh, well, just go away then. If you're not going to go vegan now, it's all or nothing. That's all, you know, it's vegan. It's all or nothing. You have to go vegan now. I mean, I've talked about this last time. So, but people do. They say, isn't this a step? You know, isn't it? Some people need, you know, some people, they're they're going to be sort of turned off by the idea of, of, of veganism. Well, some people are going to be turned off, uh, um, some hunters are going to be turned off by the idea of, of being told that they shouldn't hunt. And, you know, some people who eat dolphins are going to be t- turned off by the idea that they... That they shouldn't eat dolphins. But is that going to, does that stop the welfareist advocates for advocating, you know, that the Japanese stop killing the dolphins? I mean, surely they know that there are going to be some people who are going to turn around and say, I don't want to hear what you have to say. I love dolphin meat and I'm going to eat it. Surely they're not thinking everyone's going to give up dolphin meat overnight. These people who've been eating dolphin meat for like their whole lives, they're going to see this TV show and then they're going to turn around and give up dolphin meat overnight. I mean, it's just the whole argument is just so flawed and ridiculous, this, what, what people come to us about, I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't care, I, I am against the dolphin, you know, the dolph the, the focus on just dolphins, or the focus on just whales, but I'm just saying, it's like, you turn these arguments around, and go back to the same people, they're not going to stop their dolphin, you know, these people who are so dedicated against the whales, if we were to go to them and say, people aren't going to give up whale meat overnight, you know, I mean, it's just like, what are they thinking? So please, can you stop? You know, it's just ridiculous. It doesn't, the the argument doesn't hold water. I don't know where it's coming from. You know, we know that people aren't going to go vegan overnight. We know that I'm not going to, you know, every single person that we talk to. I mean, I, I mean, Maybe the, maybe the the people who advocate against the dolphins would, would go up to people and say, just cut down, just eat dolphin once a week. But I highly doubt it because they're so incredibly passionate about the dolphins, right? Well, I'm passionate about veganism. And so are the other abolitionists. So if a dolphin, if an anti-dolphin meat, you know, campaigner isn't expected to go to people and say, can you just eat dolphin meat six days a week instead of seven, then don't come to us and tell us that we have to tell people, oh, you could just eat, you know, have a meat-free Monday or otherwise we're like scaring people away from our vegan campaign or whatever. It's not the point. So don't get it twisted and just, just stop. Oh, sorry. That was just a rant. Okay. The next one Um, I'll I'll lead into this one now, they talk about how a single issue campaign can be the launching pad into veganism, or it's like, it can be like the, again, the sort of the raising consciousness thing, but they say, you know, we can use these single issue campaigns, we can like capitalize, we can actually promote these single issue campaigns and get behind these single issue campaigns, because they're a launching pad to veganism. Now, I want to be really, really clear on this one. As an advocate for veganism, I capitalize on any opportunity that I am given to tap into somebody's moral concern about non-human animals. I mean, I will use an example. Mostly I'll try to highlight the hypocrisy of these campaigns, but um, there's, there's a big difference between the two, the two things. We don't promote or endorse these single-issue campaigns. We do not. I, I never will do that um, because they're speciesist. However, if somebody brings it up or if, if you know, like when I was at the street stall in Auckland, for example, I'll give you an example. So I'm at the street stall on, in Queen Street and the TVNZ, Um, had just had the um, this is during the SAFE um, SAFE is the New Zealand um, animal welfare group that that had a campaign their current campaign is a battery egg campaign but the campaign that they just finished was a sow crate campaign here in New Zealand and the the, um, open rescue groups uh, went in and filmed um, some conditions in some sow, um, some sow farms, and um, of course they were horrific, and um, they put it on TV, and then um, they had a spokesperson who ate pigs, okay, <laughs> I was not going to go there, uh, anyway, the spokesperson was a pig consumer, um, but he was there anyway, um, so at the street stall, this was, this was what we were dealing with, and we, had no choice but to deal with it so we would we would start the conversation about veganism and we had I had the peaceful prairie photo which is a photo of a pig's face and they have very expressive eyes and this pig was looking terrified and sad and and just um, agonized um, tormented and and then it says how do you say don't kill me and with a question mark how do you say don't kill me with a question mark should anyone have to so it's not about sal crates, it's about killing animals, Um, but it was a picture of a pig um, that the um, particular flyer used, but even without that picture, people would come up and they'd say, oh yeah, 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 I, I saw that horrible thing on the pigs on TV, oh it's just awful, it's just terrible what happened to those poor pigs, well of course I would tap into their moral concern, because I'm not denying that you know, I want to just go back to my first one where we talked about raising consciousness. I'm not denying that the consciousness for people is raised by seeing pigs in cages or seeing chickens in cages or seeing, you know, terrible things happen to animals. But, the problem is is that the footage and the campaigns are aimed towards this, quote, myth of better treatment. I mean, the, the whole campaign from New Zealand, the guy was not vegan, who was their spokesperson. And he served a free-range pig on the show and talked about free-range. And Safe got thousands of letters from people asking where they could buy free-range pork. I mean, no kidding, right, so we had to deal with with this fallout because people were like this terrible with the, the the pig. The problem is this terrible, like i 'm a conscientious person. I think it's terrible that pigs are in, in cages, and we would have to we would have to really kind of get them away from the whole free range thing and say, Yes, it was terrible that these pigs are in cages, but all animals who are used are enslaved and they're all exploited. And even the free range pigs are going to go to the slaughterhouse and they say, well, but aren't they being treated better? I mean, at least they get to have a happy life. And then we'd have to say, no, it's not true that it's a happy life. And they all go to the same slaughterhouse anyway. And so most of the time we'd be dealing with the negative aspects of this so-called conscious raising campaign rather than the positive aspect, which was that they had their conscious raised. They had their consciousness raised about specific farming practices of um, specific farmers. They didn't have their consciousness raised about animal use. So, um, I've lost my train of thought. Oh, right. So single issue campaigns being a launch into veganism. So a lot of people are saying, you know, we need to get behind these campaigns and we need to promote and support these campaigns because they're going to be a launching pad into veganism. I disagree. I think that you can, you can, um, highlight these campaigns as an example of the the hypocrisy and the speciesism of the campaigns and um, actually emmy james made a suggestion and other people have done it people do it all the time on our facebook group today she made a suggestion and i, m- I misunderstood the suggestion at first but then i later understood because i've seen people do it so like abolitionists will post um a a link to some really problematic speciesist um, article or something about live exports or something in Australia, and and the and the disclaimer and the and the sort of the the focus of the abolitionist posting it is to say, if you care about this issue, if you care about live export, if you care about sow crates, or something like that, then the coherent way to deal with that is to explore veganism, and to learn about veganism, because all animal use is horrific, whether the whether the cows and the sheep were slaughtered in Indonesia, or in Australia, it's still horrific what's happening to them, um, they're still being transported to a slaughterhouse, and it's not about, you know, focusing on, quote, better torture, slightly better torture, it's about, it's all wrong, and so you can, you can, we, we kind of, there, you know, we're kind of forced to because all that's out there is these single issue campaigns. I mean, that's all that's going on, whether they're welfare campaigns or whether they're, um, other types of single issue campaigns that are not specifically treatment focused, but are sort of like ban, like, I mean, I would, the sale crate campaign is a totally a welfareist campaign. It's not, it's not a prohibition, but like seal clubbing, I think maybe, or, um, I mean, I tell me they're just all welfareist, but, um, Anyway, so um, promoting these campaigns and jumping on and promoting these welfare groups, because when you're promoting the campaigns, you're promoting the welfare group who's doing the campaign. You're, you're promoting their literature, you're promoting their welfareist views, their welfarist websites, their welfarist position. Um, or new welfareist, I should say, and um that is the last thing that I'm going to even begin to even endorse in the slightest bit um but when people come up so like anything can be capitalized on um the best example is is the article, We are all Michael Vick that Gary Francione wrote and submitted to a Philadelphia newspaper because there was this massive public outcry about Michael Vick's dog fighting. So that was something that, that was capitalized on. We capitalize on the fact that people care about their dogs and their cats. We capitalize on the fact that people do object to whale whale hunting or they love, um, you know, um, they love certain animals. And we, we will use that in our vegan advocacy on a constantly on a daily basis. But I, we won't promote the campaigns themselves are nothing but detrimental any consciousness raising or any focus or any awakenings that it causes in people is more than outweighed outweighed by the damage that they do to vegan advocacy. So you can, you can launch a vegan conversation When I mean, people say, let's go to the zoo. I'm going to go to the zoo and stand outside the zoo. And then, um, you know, because people are going to the zoo to see animals because they love animals. And then I'm going to promote veganism at the zoo and I'm going to use the zoo to, to sort of launch the conversation about vegan advocacy. Well, you can, you can do that anywhere. I mean, you, you just promote veganism and you will be forced to use launching pads so to speak, but you know you'll find that when you're talking about veganism, if you if you've learned a little bit and if you've and if you've done it and you st- and you and your focus is on respect and your focus is on nonviolence and your focus is on reaching out to people about that fundamental core of nonviolence, you don't even need those single issues at all to talk to talk to people about their consciousness, their love for animals, their respect for a lot of other animals, people, you know, there are a lot of people who, who are in awe of a lot of animals, I mean, they're just magnificent, these just magnificent, you know, animals, so they're in awe of all of these, you know, animals, there is, there is always some, some part in somebody that has a connection, and, you know, when you meet that individual person, you can use that, you don't need these campaigns to do it, and I, and I can have a whole conversation, we're just kind of forced to do it, because of the campaigns are on TV, or the campaigns are there, so we're kind of forced to do it, because people will come up and say, oh, yes, I think it's terrible about the battery hens, I only buy free-range hens, and, you know, and then you kind of have to sort of say, oh, well, I'm going to try to, you know, deal with this, and then you're forced to sort of confront this, but I disagree that you need to sort of get behind a a species of single issue campaign in order to talk to people about veganism. You don't. Just go out, don't, don't need to stand outside the zoo, don't need to stand outside McDonald's, don't need to stand, don't need to, you know, um, promote the, the latest new, you know, new welfareist single issue campaign, just promote veganism to people, and when they bring up these issues, or if you feel like there's something you can tap into, or if you feel that you can use an example Because they're out there, they're out there, right? So I use the whaling example a lot. I'm like, well, are you completely opposed to whale hunting? And they're like, well, I'm absolutely opposed. You know, absolutely opposed to whale hunting. Because we'll say to people, um, I mean, people will say, yeah, but I enjoy the taste of meat. I mean, people will say that, but I really enjoy the taste of meat. And so I'll 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 try to use analogies with them, and I'll say, well, you know, do you do you know that people people kill dolphins and whales? And they say, oh, yes, I do. I think that's terrible. And I say, well if somebody were to say to you, hey, I enjoy the taste of dolphins, would you, would that make you not say, oh, well, in that case, I can't object to your killing of, of dolphins for, for their flesh, if that was the justification that you were given, and people will say, well, gee, no, and I'm sort of like, well, see, you know, don't, it, it's really the same thing, it's just that all animals are equal, all animals are moral persons, so the taste is just, as moot, it just doesn't even matter, so, you know, they're out there, you can, you can use them as a launching pad, if the opportunity presents itself, but don't, you don't need them. We'd be better off without them. And we certainly don't need them as a launching pad for vegan advocacy. And we certainly shouldn't be as vegan groups or as vegan organizations that are starting up or as, as vegan promoting individuals, aligning ourselves or getting behind or in any way supporting or promoting any of those kinds of campaigns. It's totally antithesis of vegan education. It's the opposite of vegan education. Because vegan education is about nonviolence to all animals and about um, not being speciesist. And these campaigns are speciesist. And um, obviously a lot of them can be xenophobic and things and there's all these other uh, problems associated with them. So raise their moral concern by talking about veganism encourage steps and encourage you know gradual transformation and nurture people and work with people about veganism um use um veganism as a launching pad to veganism um if you're forced to um talk about single issue campaigns by all means use them capitalize on them as a launching pad to veganism but don't feel like they're necessary um and um i certainly think that they do more damage than, than good but um Don't feel like we're denying the fact that you can you can use anything to, to launch into veganism. So if somebody comes and says, oh my gosh, I think rodeos are really terrible. I think it's so cruel what they do to animals. Yeah, of course you can use it as a launching pad to veganism. I mean, we're not saying you can't. What we're saying is don't promote those campaigns. Don't get behind those campaigns. Don't spend your time and your energy on those campaigns. If you're going to spend time and energy campaigning, spend time and energy campaigning for veganism. And in the time and energy that you're spending campaigning for veganism, you're going to be talking about treatment. You're going to be talking about. Specific Specific issues that people bring up. You're going to be capitalizing on whatever um, moral concern that person has for animals, whether it's whether they really love whales or whether they really love their dogs or whether they really love hedgehogs or whatever. So all of that is part of vegan advocacy. So please try it. Please believe me. I really mean what I'm saying. Um, So the last thing on my list, and like I say, I don't think I've covered everything, but the last thing on my list is diet and environment here's another misconception we you know as as vegan advocates, when we say that that we shouldn't be promoting veganism as a diet, like oh you know um go raw vegan for health and then oh here 's this honey cake you know <laughs> which isn 't even vegan and things like that, or you know it 's all about you and your health and things like that, and we say look you know're you're, you're, you're this vegan society or you 're this vegan group." you're you're making the primary, you're telling people that the primary reason to be vegan is, is an anthropocentric reason of like human benefit, and just like any other diet, people will cheat on that, because if, if you, you know, if, if, if it's primarily about diet, then people will say, well, I'll just cheat every now and then, and I'll have, you know, I'll just have a little, um, omelet you know once a month or something and you know it's highly unlikely to um, cause any detrimental health um, um, health problems if you're eating really healthy all the rest of the time so we say don't make the focus um anthropocentric don't make the focus because people will cheat and it's and it's just it doesn't have anything to do with moral concern about animals same with the same with the environment there's a lot of um people who who say um that you know they 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 learned about the environment and then they went vegan um, because they learned about the, um, the devastation to the environment of animal agriculture comes, and then they, they hear people like us say, we should be promoting veganism as the morally right thing to do, we should be telling people about the moral personhood of animals, and they say, oh, well, I learned about veganism from the environment, and then I became a vegan, and then I recognized, you know, but, uh, but that was my, you know, launching pad or whatever, and then they're like, you know, I think you're wrong, you know, you, you, you guys are, are throwing the baby out with the bathwater, or, which is another saying that we get told, or, you know, you're, 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 um, Uh, short-sighted, or you're like, um, you're um, limiting, you know, you're limiting the discourse, no, not at all, you totally talk to people about diet, and you totally talk to people about environment, when you're doing vegan advocacy, you totally do, I mean, you educate them about how, how it's, it's, you kind of have, haven't got a lot of choice there, because you have to, um, in order to get people to Believe you that it's not unhealthy. You have to let them know that it's healthy. So it's not that we're saying don't mention the environmental things, don't mention the um, diet. You know, it's not. Once again, we're sort of told like people sort of misunderstand and think that what we're saying is like you should avoid those topics like the plague, and you know, you should bury those topics. You should you shouldn't even talk about them with people because if you're doing that, you're not being a real vegan advocate or something. No what we're saying is, is that veganism is about not using, you know, other animals as things. It's about not exploiting other animals. And this goes way back to the vegan society's formation and by Donald Watson and Ava Betts and all those kinds of people. Part, part of the benefits of vegan living is the incredible health benefits and the incredible benefits to the environment. So they're totally part of your vegan advocacy, but they're not, you don't just focus on you, the primary thing that you, we need to be telling people about if if we're the voice for animals if we're their voice because it's us to to make it all about humans i mean conservation is all about humans um preserving the animals for our benefit so we can enjoy looking at them and there's a great quote by bob torres of vegan freaks the wonderful vegan freaks podcast um and vegan freaks book um which i really recommend it's um Vegan Freaks being vegan in a non-vegan world. Everybody should read it. And um, he said, you know, the the smokestacks from the burning of, of thousands and thousands of, of, of bodies um, would have been really, really polluting during World War Two. But, you know, it would have been obscene if people were using that as a reason to campaign against the Holocaust. I mean, we would find that obscene. I mean, if if it was proved that, you know, some sort of human abuse, it was an environmental disaster, we would acknowledge it as human rights advocates, but it wouldn't be the reason that we tell people they need to stop exploiting humans. You need to stop exploiting these people because it's just so terribly bad for the environment. No, you say you need to stop exploiting them because they're persons and they just, they have no. You have no right to exploiting them, and you tap into that sense of justice. And you say, and also, by the way, just so you know, it's devastating the environment and causing all this terrible pollution and hurting other innocent people around because of this. And not only that, not that this you know, and then with regards to vegan advocacy, and not only that, just so you know, um, if you really do some research, you'll find out this there's all these health benefits and all those kinds of things, so we're not saying you can't talk about them, what we're saying is the reasons that you give people, don't give speciesist, anthropocentric reasons, don't, don't give, um, the problem is when you're promoting diet and environment, as the main reasons diet or environment most of the time it's one or the other as the main reason that someone should go vegan you are actually omitting the the, te- the injustice that's happening to the beings whom we're exploiting and that is that is a terrible thing to do to them is to leave that out, because it's convenient for you, it's easier for you to talk to someone about their own benefit, you're going to benefit from this, so that's why you should do it, rather than sort of challenge them, and, and make, you know, and let them know about this, this, this terrible exploitation, so I think it's a bit of a cop-out, but, um, I'm not sure if I made my point on that particular little episode, but what I'm trying to say is, when we say that we're saying veganism is not a diet, and it shouldn't be promoted as a diet, um, or we say that, you know, you shouldn't f- focus on the environment as the reason for people for being vegan, we're not saying you shouldn't talk about the environment, or you shouldn't talk about diet, so don't think that that's what we're saying, we're not saying that you shouldn't talk about that, okay, so that was, that was the final one, that was the final one on my list, and maybe Ren, Ren's really, really um, informed about the environment, Renata Peters, and I learn a lot for about, from her about that, and there are other people who are really informed about diet, and I'm always talking to people at, at my stall about diet and the environment. It's part of vegan advocacy, but it's not the reason that I give them, and I don't see anything wrong with having facts and figures about the environment and diet. I really don't, but um, I... I feel like, and I tell, because the bottom line is, even if it was the same for the environment and even if it was the same for health, then we should still be vegan anyway. That's not the reasons why we should be vegan. Those are definitely part of the reasons why we should be vegan. But the number one reason why we should be vegan is because we have no right to exploit these other animals and use them as things and slaughter them for convenience or pleasure or amusement. And that's the bottom line. So as animal rights advocates, let's do that. And you know, it's and educate you know, educate yourself about the diet and learn because it's very important. And I understand people have real fears about their children being malnourished and all those kinds of things. So we've never said that you can't talk about it or that you shouldn't talk about it. That's just another misconception. But it, it, it's part of the conversation. But the the reason that you give, the focus of the advocacy should be on the injustice and the non violence and the respect of these other beings on the planet whom we are exploiting unmercifully. That's a compelling reason. That wakes people's consciousness up. That gets people thinking majorly. I've seen it happen right in front of my eyes. And you're being the voice, you're being that voice for for those non humans. So I've said that before. So anyway, if I missed anything out, um I'd really love to I'd really love to just like have somebody do a sort of a really clear guide to give out like to send like if somebody comes along and says, I think you're wrong about vegan advocacy because diet and environment's important and people need to know about treatment and everybody needs baby steps and I think we need you know, we need to wake people's consciousness, <laughs> all of these things that they think vegan advocacy doesn't do for whatever reason. We can just send them to this we can send them like a little card, like point one, you know, point two, point three, point four, you yeah. know. Um But in the meantime, this podcast is going to have to do, and it's also been very therapeutic because I've been getting more and more and more and more frustrated um, about these same things cropping up over and over again. And I'm like, where is this coming from? And I'm trying to understand the misconception. I'm trying to say, okay, so if I was a welfarist advocate and I'd never heard of abolition and I hadn't read any of Gary Francione's books and I'd never heard an interview with him and I'd never read any abolitionist blogs and I'd never heard anything at all about abolition, and then I went on to Oz Vegan, NZ Vegan, and I saw Elizabeth Collins say, animal welfare hurts animals, and you should promote veganism, um, maybe I would say, well, gosh, um, you're stonewalling people, you're wanting veganism overnight, you think we can flick a switch, you know, maybe, maybe I would think that, um, so, um, um, because I, hadn't heard anything else said, and maybe that would be the thought processes that go on in my mind, all, all I can remember is, when I first saw on the Earthlings forum, Desert Girl, saying to people, animal welfare hurts animals, I really was just like, that is so crazy, what the heck does that mean, like I said, it was like hearing, you know, water is dry, or up is down, or big as small. It's just like, what are you talking about? It was like a contradiction in terms. So I was curious enough to follow the links that she provided to read why, you know, how she could she make this preposterous claim? It seemed preposterous to me at the time. And, you know, it was like uncovering the truth. It was like opening Pandora's box. And I learned about and it does hurt animals. Animal welfare and single-issue campaigning hurts animals and hurts the vegan movement. And if you think that's a preposterous claim, by all means, investigate. Listen to this podcast. Listen to the interview with Gary Francione and Eric Marcus. Read the Abolitionist Approach website. Read Gary Francione's books. Read all the other abolitionist literature that's out there from other people who are promoting it, and um, and then see what you think. But don't take it at face value that what we're saying is, you know, it's... You, you know, just these other, cl- and I and I sometimes wonder if what these people are doing is they're hearing other people talk about it, and they're saying these other groups are going out and saying abolitionists think that the you know everyone's going to go vegan overnight, and they're going to just, um, and that they, and that you shouldn't talk about the environment, and you shouldn't talk about diet, and that you shouldn't talk about treatment and things, and so there, there's being lies being told about us, and so people are coming back to us and and sort of assuming, making these assumptions based on misrepresentations that are out there. I mean, that's very possible. There's not much I can do about that. I mean, if people are out there telling complete and utter falsities about about what the abolitionist movement is, I can't stop them from doing that. And I can't stop people from reading it and coming to these false conclusions. But I can do my very best to provide some kind of educational tool or some kind of insight that maybe some people will listen to and say, oh, wow, um, all of those things were totally wrong and, you know, vegan advocacy does all those things and they're not saying this and they're not saying that and, oh, wow, so I'm more open to the idea and that's the best that I can do. And it's also, like I say, therapy because I've been holding all this inside and it's been building up and building up and building up. So, as usual, I feel better. And sorry if I distorted the mic with my yelling and my ranting and my raving. Um, this podcast has been inspired by many, many, many different different interactions with many, many different people, all of whom were, I'm sure, very well-meaning and who are genuinely concerned and had genuine questions. And I told them all, I'm going to do a podcast about this. I hope that if any of them are listening, they're not taking it personally. This is things that I've been trying to talk to people about for two years, since I've been doing abolitionist advocacy, I've tried to understand where it came from, I've tried to address it, and, um, I hope that you do maybe get a little insight on the frustration that, that we're dealing with, where, because it's like, it's like, it's like, um, constantly being, you know, told, um, well, you shouldn't you know, well what about um it's like constantly being told that you're doing things that you're not. It's constantly having words put in your mouth that you never said. And so you're constantly having to sort of deal with these sort of really um untrue um assumptions. Um and, but I mean the best the, the most that we can hope for is that we take responsibility for what we're saying to people and that we're trying to make it as clear as possible. And that's the best you can do. So yeah, that's that's my attempt okay so that was my last episode of NZ vegan podcast Um I want to thank everyone for listening all these um last couple of years and I would just like to announce that there's going to be a new podcast coming out I'm going to be hosting a new podcast with Renata Peters from the Alice Springs uh vegan society and also from our Oz Vegan NZ Vegan page, so it's I'm so excited. So that's going to be what what's going to be happening now. So um, it'll be a co- a new podcast with a new name and a new website. And um, but I don't we don't have those exact details yet. But we are going to record our first episode soon. So please keep an eye out for the new uh, podcast that myself and Renata will be co-hosting together um, and, uh, I'll announce it, we'll, we'll be announcing it on Facebook, on Alice Springs Vegan Society Facebook page, on the Ones Vegan NZ Vegan Facebook page, on NZ Vegan, um, Facebook page, on any Twitter, just anywhere, um, if you're not, um, into any of that stuff, then as soon as we have a link, um, I'll post it to this particular podcast episode, that you're listening to now um so that 's my announcement um it's very exciting i'm i'm actually really 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 thrilled i think it's going to be great um, it's going to be so much fun and um i'm really looking forward to to doing this so um thanks for listening to my nZ vegan podcast and please tune in to the new Uh, podcast collaboration between Australia and New Zealand, Um, and uh, as soon as we do our first episode, I hope that you listen, and um, and let us know what you think. Okay, thank you so much for listening, and um, I'll be back. Bye.